All right. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here with you um, together so we can uh, just worship our Lord Jesus um, and spend time together. So we welcome you to Mosaic Community Church. Um, the mission of our church, the vision of our church is to make the great city of Philadelphia even better by helping people to be spiritually connected, purpose-filled, and, and hopefully as a result, people will live satisfying lives. So we encourage you uh, to join with us to relax and get comfortable. And we pray that the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you in the things that you need to hear in the way that you need to hear them. So let's pray together. Our God, whose father and mother, we bless you this morning. We thank you that we can come before you and praise your name, um, that we can lift up hands that you've made holy, Lord, and worship to you. We ask your blessing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in our union today, in every household that's represented, um, to lead us, to direct the service, to direct me and what I say, Lord God. And we pray, oh God, that we would be closer to you. Our deepest desire is to really have Jesus be centered in our lives individually and to be centered as a community, living the way Jesus instructed us to live and loving each other with all we have. This is our prayer. This is our hope. Be blessed in our service today. Amen. We're now going to have um, worship. A friend of mine named Shani, Reverend Shani, uh, is a beautiful singer, and she was with us a little while ago, and uh, we want to bring her back today to share worship with us. So please sit back and enjoy our sister um, and sing with her. She's going to sing, Lord, you're welcome in this place, and I love you, Lord. So be blessed, everyone. One of the things that God is showing me in this season is that worship requires sacrifice, that worship requires sacrifice and that in our pain and our misunderstandings, misinterpretations and everything that's going on, God wants to be here, right here with us in this wilderness. And so, Lord, we just want to invite you here and then I'll be going into I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord, today. Amen. Lord, you are welcome in this place. Lord, you are welcome in this place. Lord, you are welcome in this place. Have your way. Lord, you are welcome in this place lord you are welcome in this place lord you are welcome in this place your way send your anointing in this place Send your anointing in this place. Send your anointing in this place. Have your way. Send your power in this place. Send your power in this place. 
Send your power in this place. Have your way. Oh, Lord, you are welcome in this place. Lord, you are welcome in this place. Lord, you are welcome in this place. Have your way, oh, Lord, you, you're welcome in this place. Lord, you are welcome in this place. Lord, you are welcome, welcome, Jesus. You're welcome in this place. Have your way. I love you. I love you. I love you, Lord, today. Because you care for me in such a special way and that's why i praise you and i lift you up and i magnify your name oh that's why my heart is filled with praise i love you i love you said i love you lord today Oh, because you care for us in such a special way. And that's why we come to praise you, to lift you up, and to magnify your name. Oh, and that's why my heart is filled. Yes, that's why my heart is filled. Oh. And that's why my heart is filled with praise, oh, with praise. My heart is filled with praise. We come with praise, with praise. We we come with praise. We come giving our hearts to you. We come giving our minds to you, Jesus. We come giving this day to you, Jesus, with praise. Oh, we come with praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We're blessed with that um, time of sharing. And so uh, I'd like to just step right into our sermon this morning. Um, there's been so much going on in uh, our country in the course of this week. And just thinking about how to talk about that in the context of uh, what we've been talking about uh, with making spiritual connections, just making connections. and. Um, and all that. So I want to talk about that and, and, and talk about the people 
the responses that we're seeing a little bit to speak to uh, to tragedies that are taking place in our country. So, um, Lord, bless the reading. Bless the <laughs> bless your word, Lord. Use me as an instrument of your peace. Hide me behind your cross, O God, that it be none of me and all of thee. That you be glorified in the preaching of your word, that it would go forth with clarity and you would inspire us with new ways of being, new ways of seeing, new ways of relating with one another. This is our desire. This is our hope. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And so humanity has been operating in and through life as trauma-immersed beings. We have to understand that trauma that's not transformed is trauma that's transferred. Evidence of this truth can be seen in our history books. It's seen in our Bibles, in the newspaper, on the television news as we watch it, um, in the relationships we have with our family members, in the conversations we hold with one another. The shooting of Jacob Blank is an example, or Blake is an example, of the continued transferring of trauma in our country. Many of us have been have seen the uh, the video of this young man being shot in the back uh, in front of his children by a police officer as as Jacob attempted to get in his car. African Americans live in a constant state of stress and hypervigilance um, as our bodies have been branded as having less value and limited worth in in our nation in American society. As long as we are obedient, even to injustice, society has believed that there is peace. But ob obedience to the demands of power is not, is not peace. Unrest courses under the surface, and it breaks through the false discourses and false images of peace. So controls were created to ensure order. Peacekeepers are put in place to demand for obedience and to demand um, the restoration of that fake peace so we, can so we can return to the rhythms of our unjust society. You can say, wow, Pastor, that's, that's kind of bleak. And in truth, it is. It is because there is no hope in fake peace. Our methods of policing come from the formation of slave patrols, white men appointed to keep the peace so the slaves would not be tempted to seek a just society. But that they would know that the forces of power would swiftly act to crush them and to restore their form of peace. And these men were given authority to use extreme acts of force against those black bodies. And it continues because institutions of trauma not transformed keep traumatizing. What happened to Jacob Blank is part of the continuing story of racial trauma in our country. And it's a huge and continuing story. But there's a smaller story 
that demonstrates the passing of trauma also. Um, Rob, my husband, manages a Christian bookstore. He um, is the youngest member of the staff, which is mostly African-American. And I say something because we're middle aged, right? In a time of COVID, uh, we're all required to wear masks as we go into retail establishments. This is something we all know, right? So a senior citizen, a white woman, entered the store uh, for the second time with no mask in sight. Rob told her that she needed to wear one or she had to leave. Um, she got angry and protested because for her, COVID isn't real. It doesn't matter that 180 people have died, 80,000 people have died. It is just some fake hoax thing in her mind. So he tried to connect with her just to, to, to help her understand the impact of what she was doing. And he wanted to touch this, uh, a place of compassion in her and her love for others by explaining how heavily the virus has impacted African-Americans and that his staff today, that yesterday was consisted of mostly African-American people. And for her, you know, that didn't matter. His explaining that it was unsafe for them and that an act of, of compassion, an act of caring was to wear a mask um, because so many African-Americans are dying. And to that comment, her response was, well, African-Americans kill their babies through abortion, as if somehow these two things were equated, let alone as if that was true. You know, we aren't, African-Americans are not the uh, people who access abortions the most. Um, those are part of the mental models, the lies that get told. It's actually in white community that abortions are accessed more. And that's people's personal business. Enough said. The virus isn't, for her, the virus wasn't real. And for her, the wearing of a mask was thought of as demonic. Now, how can wearing a mask be demonic? I have no idea. But because of these crazy models, because of this crazy thinking, because of the things that have worked in her life that, that it justifies the separation and the uh, downplaying of one group of people over another group of people that work for her. We could talk about how silly all of that is or how, how is it possible that someone could be so deceived or lacks you know, even common decency. See, I can't not talk about Jacob Blank, Blake, and I, I can't talk, not talk about this woman um, in terms of in moving away from her, but looking at the Christian community in our country and how we say, those of us who are members of our family, our Christian family say, we love God and we have a disdain for other people. We don't even count them as human in many respects. This sermon series um, on spiritually, being spiritually connected is my attempt, not just to speak to the issues impacting us today, but to minister, you know, I'm called as a minister to participate in the healing of humanity so that all creation can experience that healing that's available to us 
through the life, the death, and the living again of Jesus Christ. Here at Mosaic, we do our best to center Jesus in our understanding of the world and how we engage with it. So I want to not just speak about the issues we see, but I want to deal with the heart because, you know, we can put laws in place and there are different portions of our society, segments of, 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 our, of our country that are appointed to do certain things with the government to put laws in place that, that are just, that people can be respected. But for the church, we get to deal with the heart and we can't skip that. That is what we are called to do, to look at the transformation, to oversee, to encourage, to support the transformation of the heart. So I want to help us understand these issues from a biblical perspective so we can overcome them, that hearts can be changed. We've been taught some junk in the church, and it's just, it's just true that the church in America and globally throughout the centuries has continually joined forces that perpetuate power for a dominant class as opposed to working for the expansion of the kingdom and its benefit for all. We have that history and it's our responsibility to speak to it, not to ignore it or pretend it's not true. This is truth. I have a pastor in my life who says that the church is a hospital for sinners. Sick people have to enter in and the hope is we leave well. And so we have to understand that, that transformation is a process as we're going through our process of healing, still the disease, the ugliness is there, but we work to, to dampen it, to, to eliminate it, so that on the other side, there's maturity. And we have to have a realistic expectation of the church when we expect everybody to be mature and to have arrived and to be woke. I mean, we set ourselves up for an, an unrealistic expectation. What I have come to understand is that the effort of people, the effort to be with community, to learn and to grow is worth everything. The end product for us is already satisfied in Christ. We get to work it out here on earth. And that work we must do, we don't just get to sit back and go, oh, I'm going to heaven, oh, I'm saved for glory, and I don't have to do anything. That is not the call of God. That is not the life that Jesus lived, the teachings that Jesus offered us. That is a counterfeit form of Christianity. And we have to call it out for what it is. We are called to work out our soul, our, 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 our soul salvation with fear and trembling. And that is the work that we have to do. I believe that we experience these traumas because... You know, as we look at scripture and God blessing us with stories to help us understand what's happened to humanity, he has given, she has given us in these early chapters of Genesis, some stories to help us um, um, relate, help us understand better, right? And so what we've come to understand is that there was a great separation and from the sermons that we've preached the last couple of weeks, we, in, the, in the event of the great separation of the fall, as it was traditionally called, we were separated from one another, from God. And that was a traumatic experience. We talked about that last week. Humanity has experienced a traumatic separation from God itself and all of creation. 
in church, we've discussed the separation as a hierarchical fall from power and status. It went something, you know, like this in the teachings that I got growing up in, in church. Mankind was the greatest of all God's creation. God gave a, uh, humanity authority and power over every aspect of creation to rule it and to subdue it and to make it conform to the will and purposes of humanity. Now, that's the kind of stuff I heard. I read, I was, I read this, this kind of stuff. I was taught this. And unfortunately, I also participated in teaching it for, for too long, I think, because I think one lesson like that is too many. So we look at creation as a, as a humanity. When we look at it, we look at it in an, in an, and form, develop an understanding of God based on hierarchy. But God created a world that was to align with who God is. Three persons in loving relationship, so intimate and purposeful that they are the one God we serve. They don't do hierarchy. They get into what is best for each other to make the most of their loving unity. And they act in creation as a loving expression of that unity. So living this gift of life God has blessed us with, is, with is, isn't about <clears throat> mankind being the greatest of all creation and blah, 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 blah. No. Living this gift of life God has blessed us with is about living in loving communion with God, with ourselves, with the rest of creation. Common union, communion. That communion with all. That is not about hierarchy. That, my friends, is about relationship. Our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with our God, our relationship with the rest of creation. If we don't get rid of this stinking uh, hierarchy thinking and grab a hold of God creating through relationship for relationship, we're really not going to understand God nor our purpose in the world. The trauma we've experienced has caused that um, caused by our separation will not be transformed. And we will continue to transfer trauma from generation to generation. Now, like you, I grew up with a family that experienced some traumatic things. I grew up in a family where there's some history of common things going on from generation to generation. And I made some decisions, like many of you, that that wasn't going to continue for me. That wasn't going to be named as something that happened in my life or in my family, that with God's grace and help and counseling and all the other things that are available to me, if I was going to give and am giving all that's within me so that my kids don't carry that, some of those things, some they will, and it's their turn, their responsibility to make those decisions that, that, that those things end with them as well. Um, there are things that have happened in my family uh, that have threatened our unity and that were very painful. Um, many of us, if not all of us, can say the same thing. And in truth, 
the rest of us who don't think that there was any trauma, in some ways we're, if you allow, we're lying to ourselves. You can say, Pastor Angel, nothing really bad ever happened in my family. Um, but I want to I wanna put this in front of you. If you heard someone in your family drop the N-word, you experienced trauma. If people in your family did things to separate you from others, like somebody has a problem with this grandmother and so you didn't see them, in, and it you know, may perfectly be, sad, be, be, be a right thing to do, but it is still traumatic. You have experienced trauma. If you were made to think being a male was better than being a female, you experienced trauma. Because all these things work together to separate us, not bring us together. If you live in a family where all white people are awful, you've experienced trauma. And God brings us healing by the experience of black people, white people, women who have skills and abilities, who, who demonstrate uh, a contradiction to what we've experienced that traumatized us, that locks us into a particular way of thinking and experiencing life that denies equality to others. So today I want to show you in scripture the negative impact on, of trauma on the trajectory of one person's life. And I want to talk about how Jesus' gift of peace is the source of healing that, um, that, he, that he's given us to counteract the traumas we experience. So I ask many of you, if you would, prepare for this sermon by reading Genesis 4. Now, I won't ask, but I will. How many people read it? I hope you did. I posted some stuff online um, so you could just listen to it. There are a lot of ways to read scripture. You can listen to scripture that's still important and good. So find the method that works for you. Um, and I want to put out there that I have the, um, gosh, I just forgot the name of it the uh, reading, the dramatic reading of uh, the Bible by um, Black actors and things that was put out. Uh, I, have, I have two of those, and if anybody would like them, they're all on CDs. It's wonderful. It's called The Bible Experience, and it's beautiful. If anybody wants to borrow it, you can. Anyway, um, humanity, again, has been operating in and through life as, tra tra as trauma-immersed beings. The life of Cain, the first son of Adam and Eve, is a good example of the impact of trauma on our spiritual, emotional, and mental states. Let's look at how Cain engaged with God, with his brother, and with the rest of, of creation. So let me just tell you the story instead of reading it because it's very long, and just tell you the highlights that I want to focus on during the sermon. <clears throat> After Adam and Eve were banished from the garden, we are told that they, they got pregnant and had their first child, Cain. So the timing of Cain's conception and birth occurred just as his parents were learning how to live in their new nightmare. Some people call things new normals, and sometimes new normals are actually, how do I live through this nightmare? Um, what was their nightmare? They moved from the garden and now had to make a home outside of it with 
a new distance in relationship with God. And they no longer trusted each other the way they had trusted each other before. The land that they were now working was not as responsive to their touch and care. And the experience of pain that was associated with all of that, the sweat of the brow working, muscles getting sore, the pain of the distance in the relationships, all of this was new for them. But this was their condition. And this is what the condition they were in when they conceived their firstborn child. All of that stress hormones, all of those stress hormones were at work in their bodies as they were conceiving Cain. And Cain was bathed in all of that. It was being passed from the bodies of his parents to his body. Cain is described as a person who worked the land. He was a farmer. Cain brought uh, to God one day uh, from, his, from what he had raised in, 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 his, in his farming, he brought fruit from the land to offer God as a, as a sacrifice uh, for the blessing that the land did produce for him. But scripture tells us that God wasn't pleased with Cain's offering. Now, I don't remember if I was taught this by someone or if I taught it to myself, but I always thought Cain's offering didn't please God because it came from the ground that was cursed. And so I vaguely remember that being said somehow. But that, that's not the case. You see something else. You see everything, everything on the earth was cursed because of the separation. In Genesis 3, God told the serpent that the serpent was cursed above or more than all the other animals, which meant that all the other animals were cursed, but the serpent was cursed more. See, the curse was not a pronouncement that I am going to condemn you. It was God saying, um, you guys are living, now that you guys are living in this state of separation, the state of separation is a cursed state to be in. Stuff won't work right for you. Things won't be right. Creation won't act right. It's all cursed. It's evil and misfortune that comes as a response or to, to an action or to a condition. That's what that cursing is. So yes, Cain brought an offering to God um, from the cursed ground. But again, that wasn't the problem. Scripture tells us later, I don't know how much later, but later Adam and Eve had Abel. Abel was a person who kept flocks. And so he was some type of shepherd or herder. And like Cain, same time, when Cain brought his offering from the of grain or from the ground, Abel brought an offering that was from the fat of a firstborn animal that he had. And his offering was said to be acceptable to God. So now here's the question. If everything was cursed, what made Cain's offering unacceptable before God? And why was Abel's okay? And I want to explore that.
this scripture tells me that uh, all I know is, is this, and this is what scripture has told, told us. After Cain brought his offering, Cain got angry that what he wanted to give God did not please God. He got angry as a response to what God said. So God was watching Cain and said to Cain these words, or the summary of words. I put it in kind of angel Bible language. Um, to Cain, God said, don't be upset. Just fix it. Just do what's right and everything will be okay. Don't stress. Don't let yourself get amped up. More separation, more sin is waiting at your door. All this wants to do is master you, but you have to master it. Cain couldn't hear what the creator of the universe was saying to him. All, it seemed, all he seemed to know was that God didn't like his offering and that God liked his brother's offering better. And for whatever reason, Cain concluded not that what he had done or something within him was the problem, but that Abel was the problem. So Cain killed his brother Abel. Now, after Cain um, killed his brother, God came to him and asked, where's your brother? It wasn't that God didn't know what went down. This is the same God who told him that sin is waiting at your door. Separation, more separation is waiting at your door, trying to conquer you. Um, so God knew, but he was giving Cain, just as he gave it in the male and the female in the garden, a chance to confess, tell me, just tell me. And Cain's response was, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Cain's responses were, were off. They were so far off. Something had happened uh, with his offering and he needed to make a simple correction, but he couldn't find it within himself to do it. He was overreacting. He got caught up. He went over the top. He got lost to what was happening in his body, what was happening in his mind, and his perceptions of his context. Um, and so he couldn't hear what God was saying. All you have to do is fix it. Don't worry about it. It's okay. I'm still here. I'm still talking to you, that it was going to be all right. Just change it. Do something other, and it'll be cool. Instead of hearing God and making the correction in himself to calm down, he entered into the blame game like his parents with tragic results. He killed his brother. Now, we don't get much information about Abel in Genesis 4. Just, uh, just that he was born. He was a shepherd of some sort. He brought an acceptable sacrifice to God and God trusted his brother. I mean, and he, Abel, trusted his brother. He was trusting because he went out into the field when Cain asked him to do so. Now, if the things they brought to God were, weren't the issue, then maybe something with the person, with themselves, the person that brought the offering was the issue. Now, the scholars who worked on the um, IVP commentary on the Old Testament, um, they suggest that it was Cain's attitude that God was correcting. 
They get that from the way God spoke to him, trying to get him to calm down and the killing of his brother. They also look at his conversation with God after the murder. His attitude was messed up. His attitude was all wrong. He seemed to be a brooding man with complaint and anger issues. And they suggest that his attitude, the attitude he had in bringing the offering was what was at issue not the actual thing. Because later on in the Old Testament, it's fine to bring a grain offering to God. You know, all these different kinds of offerings are listed. So you bring the first fruits to God. So it wasn't in the grain that the day when Cain lived, it wasn't okay, but later on it would be fine. No, it was, it was always fine. Abel was born later than, 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 than Cain, of course. Um, his family had time away from the garden, and they had learned how to survive. They figured out a way to care for themselves, a way to maintain. Um, they had already gone through a first pregnancy, so they figured out how to care for Eve in her, in her pregnancy. And um, they figured out how to provide for themselves. So there may have been less fear, less trepidation, less cortisol and adrenaline and other stress hormones flowing through their bodies when Abel was conceived. Abel seemed easygoing, laid back. I can say for sure that the dude was not hypervigilant because he walked out into that field with his brother. There was no pause. There was no feeling the vibes in the air. He didn't even take a reading, you know, which way is the wind blowing? Now, people can say that vibe stuff is not real, but I, I do it. It's a part of me. Um, I was once uh, in another job I had, had been away from the office when we were hiring a new staff. And um, the day I got back, uh, he'd come down to my floor of the office and uh, the, the uh, admin assistant had called me out because she wanted me to introduce me to this guy. And so I went out and we greeted each other and we exchanged pleasantries as, as, we, as we do, you know. And I walked back into my office. And the next thing I know, the assistant comes into my office, closes the door, and stands there and says, okay, what's wrong with him? And I was like, what? What are you talking about? She's like, I know you. I know your faces. You were nice. Nobody could see it, but I know what's wrong with him. And I had to start laughing because in just feeling the vibe, I'm like, I said to her, I don't know what's wrong with him, but I know there's something wrong with him. And um, unfortunately, it turned out a few months later that um, an intern came into my office and to talk to me about how he was sexually harassing her. The vibe thing. But that comes out of my hypervigilance as a Black person, as a woman who's been molested um, in the world. I am hypervigilant and I, I, I put my feelers out for those kinds of vibes. Am I safe? Are my kids safe? Are the people around me safe? There's, a, there, there's that in me. And people you know, come to appreciate it like my friend came to appreciate it. Um, it's helpful, but it's not because constantly there's, there's, there's coursing through me more stress hormone than needs to be. And I have to work vigilantly now against that so that I can be at peace and calm. And I can know what rest is. So Abel wasn't doing that kind of thing when he went out into the, the farmland with Cain. 
and his brother caught him and killed him. So, in Cain's story, we learn a lesson. Probably there are many more lessons to learn, but I like to focus on this. We learn this. We can mess up. It's just a part of life. But it's what we do with all the stress, what we do with all that emotion, how it's impacting our bodies, how it's impacting our minds, how it's impacting our spirits that determines the outcome. We, we have to monitor what's coursing through our bodies and be self-aware. It's about dem demanding. Uh, so in, in King's story, there was a demand for able to change, for something or someone outside of ourselves to, to change into what, into what Cain wanted able to be, you know? He wanted able to be found unacceptable just like him. Um, so it's, so he wanted to remove Cain, mean remove Abel from the story so it would only be him and that he'd be found acceptable. Now that one doesn't make again any sense. Doesn't make any sense. But it's something that we as human beings are constantly doing. It's about how we look and act. Uh, what we need to be about is addressing how we act and how we look like God, how we find the win-win in our partnership with God and the rest of creation because we've accepted and embraced the partnership that God has given us to help fulfill our purpose. So in Cain's story, we see reflected some of the problems faced in humanity. We want it, we need to change, there is a visceral response sometimes in us because of the training, the mental models, the, the coursing of, um, of, of stress hormones through our body. And we um, that seek to, to master us, but we have to learn to master it. So let me share just really quickly a bit about how Jesus' story demonstrates that Jesus is the cure to this element of trauma in our lives. So I want to start very quickly. Won't take long. With verse of scripture, we all know first, and that is Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Now, when we use the word government, government here, it doesn't represent the politics. We can't think of it in terms of the politics we see taking place in our world today. Please, it, it is not that. When we use the word government here, it's based on the politic that is about the negotiation of how we'll do, how we do or live life together. The truth of, um, of that is evidenced in the names that Jesus is called. The truth of the fact that government is about the negotiation of how we do life together. The negotiation. He's called the wonderful counselor. There's no negotiation in counseling. He's called the mighty God. Um, and, and that um, 
The mighty God is, is, is similar to God Almighty, which is the multi-breasted one, the one who's able to fulfill and provide our needs. He is the everlasting or eternal parent or, that guides us and secures us. He is the prince, the one who possesses peace. Jesus is uniquely qualified to provide us with what we need to master what's taking place in us spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, and physically that would separate us from each other and from God. And as the one uniquely qualified for this job, Jesus says, now in the scripture, Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Many of us have heard this one as well. Come to me, all who are weary and heavily burdened. Now, this is the amplified version. Come to me, all who are weary and heavily burdened by religious rituals that provide no peace, and I will give you rest, refreshing for your souls with salvation. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, following me as my disciple, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest, renewal, blessed quiet for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and my burden is light. Now the yoke and the burden that we've received from the world, they're heavy. They're not light. We're not loose fitting. They again require that kind of hypervigilance, that awareness, that super sensitivity that keeps us moving and, and thinking and always checking kind of over our shoulder. What's the person at work trying to do with us? Is our spouse being honorable to us? Um, um, what, you know, what's happening in our relationships that I can't trust, that separation? Now, if you read ahead in the fourth chapter of Genesis, you remember that when Cain got upset with God because his offering wasn't accepted, God attempted to speak with Cain to calm him and to refocus him. And for us, now we have Jesus in the New Testament providing for us in the same way, except Jesus is bidding us to come to him, not just in crisis, but before crisis, to learn a new way of living, to come to him in the everyday. Um, do you identify yourself as someone who's wearied? Not just by life, but also by the religious rituals and how they don't work and how they don't give peace either. Are you weary because you've sought that in the institutions and the things that are available to you and to me? and they've fallen short. Jesus says, come to me for true peace and I will refresh you. So you aren't strung out from all the stress anymore. I'll teach you how to live life in this world that is truly peaceful in a way that's truly peaceful. And once you learn it, you will have found a place of renewal that you can go to again and again and be restored. Instead of being renewed in that immersion into all the stress that's happening around us. Now, for me, that's good news because that's something I need right now. We are in this plight of stress and we're heading toward, you know, a national election that's going to be filled with even more. And I need a place, a refuge, a place of renewal. And I believe you do too. I've invited you to spend 30 or to 60 seconds inviting Jesus to share your day with you. That has been uh, the encouragement, the application portion uh, that I, 
I've, I've asked of you after we've had our sermons. I invite you now to continue the 30 and the 60 seconds, inviting Jesus into your day, checking in with yourself and inviting the Lord. I encourage you to continue doing that with your significant other, inviting Jesus in to help you make a, a deeper connection with that person and for you both to be in God's presence together. I invite you during your 30 to 60 seconds and even more if you have time and you and it's, it's just an, an inclination, a natural inclination forming in you to give God more time to ask Jesus now to yoke you to himself so that you can learn, so that I can learn. I'm asking this so I can learn how to access that peace when I need it. And so that I know even in the midst of a context of struggle, how to find rest. Again, trauma not transformed is trauma transferred. I hope you're choosing transformation in the presence of Jesus, even in those little 30 to 60 seconds. Scripture tells us, do not frown on small beginnings. I'm not trying to tax you, tax you or give you a litany or a, a bunch of rituals and formats to do. I'm actually trying to create opportunities for encounters with God that starts with that invitation that makes us aware, aware of God's presence in the course of the day that just alters our focus enough that we can hear God talking to us. Because my goal is not for you to discover Bible study or, or devotion, but I want you to discover the one for whom you would have Bible study and for whom you would engage in meditation. To not just know about God, but to know God. Those are two entirely different things. My study in seminary was about God, but there were moments in seminary that I encountered God. And they were the greatest transformative moments for me. I want that for your life. I want that to continue in my life. So we have to figure out a way to get out of the stress and the trauma that's happening around us. We need to find those places of peace. I encourage you to find it with Jesus. My job is kind of like being a conduit. I'm called to help you make a connection with God through the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you and me. Our union with God is more than just this, <laughs> I have this thought sometimes, more than just being like a creepy host. You know, we watch all these sci-fi shows like Alien and whatever, where the, the, this thing comes and lives inside and feeds off and then feeds off the person and then erupts out of them. Our union with God is not some creepy sci-fi show, right? We're growing in communion with God, common union. So we can talk about the regular, ordinary things of life because God is interested in that. God is interested in having an impact with you and me so we can impact the world through the common, ordinary things of life. Jesus came and did the common, everyday things of life. And as God was doing, through Jesus was doing the common everyday things of life, he had encounters with people. And he had encounters with, uh, with the lady at the well, at the uh, Sumerian woman at the well. 
and offered that transforming message. He encountered people whose parents were died or their children were having uh, seizures and encounter with God happened. Along the way, this is how we know God. Our church experience is a great time for you and for worship that we can bring the along the way experiences together to encourage one another, to support one another, to, to, to have a group encounter with God but we have to have our own encounter with God. I am a Christian saved to be in relationship with God, who then God takes and places me in the midst of community, the church, so we can have relationship together. But it all begins with this relationship with God and moving out of the stress and trauma into the peace of God that passes all understanding so we can learn, we can take his yoke on us and we can learn of him as his disciple. I pray that this is a choice you make today. I pray because it's, it's joyful to me. I spend time laughing with God in the course of my day. This is a unique and beautiful relationship, and it is so beautiful and wonderful. I want you to know it, and I want to hear about yours and learn from yours and be encouraged as well. And in doing this, we, we, we are able because we have this relationship and God is using us and directing us. God is able to multiply our efforts, not just make addition, not just one plus one equals two, but one plus one equals 10 and can capture 10,000 and can work on the issues that this world has and bring change. This is how we transform the world. Our faith. Let's pray. Thank you so much, God, for the teachings, the lessons you have in your word that direct us in how we are to live and be in the earth. Lord, I also thank you that I know I can't ever be good enough and do things perfect enough, but you tell me this, that if I plant these things, if I plant time with you, Lord, that you'll give it increase 30, 60, 100 fold, Lord. And so, Lord, we come in faith planting this as individuals in Mosaic Church and as a church as a whole, looking for your increase, Father, in relationship so that you, Mother, will be glorified as we have our encounters along the way. And people come to know you and to see you. And not just the failures of the church, but that you, Lord, have a plan for us. And you are taking us through a process of transformation. And then, Father, I think that we encounter people who knew us yesterday. And when they see us today, they're amazed at what you've done for us and in our lives. And through that are able to see that if you, God, who, who don't, you know, have, have no favorites, that if you would do that for me or for them, that you would do it for others. Help us, Lord, live this with you and not spend so much time studying about you or being afraid of you, but come to you and make our confessions and get things straight so we can walk with you in our day to day. This is our hope. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Glory to God. All right. So we have a little bit of business to take care of um, uh, before we go into worship. I want to do it right now. Um, and it's just a couple of things. Today we get to um, say uh, goodbye and hello uh, to the same person. Um, Jessica Richardson has served our church so beautifully um, as a uh, 
before I came the administrator of the church and now is our director of operations. Uh, she has been faithful and committed to, um, to each and every one of us to make sure that um, the things that we need to continue as a body have, have uh, happened. Um, she knows everything. Um, I hope, I mean, she was a great, you know, you lead sometimes from, from the bottom up, right? So she was a great leader to me, and I appreciate that. So Jessica is ending her formal time as our Director of Operations, and um, I'm happy for her. Jessica took on this role uh, as a temporary fill-in that was only going to last a few months, and it's turned into like two and a half years or something, right? <laughs> so, so she's had this extended journey with us, and she's finally able um, to let that go and to focus on her kids and her family. And uh, Jessica, we just want to thank you so much. I love you from the bottom of my heart. You have blessed me so. And I'm so glad that even though we're saying goodbye to you in this role, we are not saying goodbye to you as a member of our church. So that's the hello. Jessica just gets to be a member again and can sit back and just do the things members do, which for Jessica will be service because <laughs> that's who she is. Um, but I, I want you to know that on behalf of the church, we thank you for that. And I would like you also to know that on behalf of the church, we are making a donation to, uh, I'm going to say this wrong, uh, Babashi, which is an organization that, uh, that uh, works with low-income uh, people of color who are experiencing um, AIDS and HIV. Um, and it's an attempt to help them live full, well-balanced lives. So we're making a donation to that organization in your name um, and as a thanks to you uh, for that. So she didn't like a lot of limelight. So I'm getting, I'm getting the eye from her that says, okay, walk away, walk away, leave it alone. So, but I do want to ask you all to do this. Um, she doesn't like a lot of attention and stuff, but I think saying thank you is important. And so I would ask that you all would share in texts or emails, short, short, just stories uh, of appreciation, maybe an encounter you, you had with her and how she blessed you and a thank you. If you would do that, that would be great. And uh, I think she would appreciate it coming in that form. So uh, I can just get a smile from her. I don't know. But anyway, if you could do that. So thank you, Jessica. Can we give her some We love you. We love you so much. And you have been a blessing, God. You were my gift to start off here. So at the same time, AJ's here, right? Um, I want to introduce you all to um, Andre Wallace. Um, he actually goes by AJ. He is our new director of operations, taking over for Jessica. So he's been around uh, for about three weeks, three or four weeks in training. Um, and Jessica, ooh, it's taken a month. This is how much deep this job is. It's taken a month to train this young man to do this job. And he didn't run away, so praise God. So, <laughs> so I want to introduce you to, to, um, to AJ. And uh, AJ, if you're on mute, I want to just ask you a couple of questions, give you a chance to um, introduce yourself. So tell us a little bit about where you're from and um, why you're here in the area. Yeah, um, I'm from Southern California, uh, born and raised, have never lived anywhere else. So near the East Coast, um, learning to, I don't know, adapt to life here. Um, I'm out here because of seminary. And so 
I start my studies this Thursday at Princeton Theological Seminary here in Princeton, but Philly's not too far. So um, definitely looking forward to meeting everyone and just, I don't know, being together at some point down the line. But um, I just love to connect and meet you all in whatever way possible. So reach out to me. Um, I'd love to talk and chat. Okay. Um, tell, tell, tell the congregation about how you found us. Yeah. Um, it started, I think, like January, February. I moved out to Pennsylvania after undergrad just to live with family and kind of get out of California. Um, and I was looking for work kind of in the area in which I knew I'd be around in Princeton. Um, and I kind of just saw, first I was looking just for a church to potentially participate in that was diverse and multicultural and just about some of the things that I also like stood with and agreed with and like very missional in my eyes. Um, and then it turned into me seeing like a, a job opening um, on the website and I kind of just did a basic inquiry. And it was like this really long process because I talked to, to Jessica, I think in February at some point, and then I was gonna go back to the West Coast when COVID got really intense and then kind of bring us fast forward to June, get a phone call from Pastor Angel and interviewed and just had a really good conversation with them. And then um, I'm here now and I'm really excited. So what are you gonna be studying um, at Princeton? Yeah, um, I'm most likely switching to the MDiv program, uh, but right now I'm in the MATS program, which is just general theological studies, where you have a concentration in something. Um, I'm hoping to do some clinical pastoral education, um, work in like psychiatric care hospitals, but also just get trained up to work with young adults, because um, I feel a calling to work with young adults in like public school settings and things like that. So I'm just here to really just test and define those things that the Lord's calling me in and saying yes to the things that God wants me to and not going the other ways because I know I have a lot of dreams, but you know, I can't, can't chase them all. Okay. I believe in dream, dreaming big. Um, and then maybe lastly, tell us um, your, how you came to know Jesus. Yeah. Um, quick version. Uh, I started, I'd say taking relationship with Jesus seriously when I was 19. I didn't grow up in the church, had a very basic concept of God. Um, but my idea around Christianity and the culture that was associated with it for me was kind of just not my thing at the time. And then I transferred to a small Pentecostal school in uh, Costa Mesa, California, where I lived prior to this. And just was, um, I don't know, really introduced to just really loving, consistent community full of grace and kindness and just loved on me well, regardless of my past and my struggles and my questions. And um, it's, been a, it's been a process. It wasn't like a divine encounter with the Lord, at least at this point, I could say that it's been a process of just trying and wrestling and just bringing all those things to Jesus. And um, I'd say because of community, some really awesome people in my life um, still to this day have helped me or have been very formative in that beginning journey and still are. And so uh, very new to the faith, I guess, technically, if you if I can say that. But, you know, I'm, just, I'm learning a lot and I always will be. And I'm excited. So, yeah. Um, AJ is a beautiful young man. And again, Jessica has been spending a lot of time with them. Andrew's been helping with some of the uh, technology training and things. And the, and the stories I get, they just both keep <laughs> encountering me and just like, he's such a great guy, you know, that he's perfect for our church and community. And um, I am grateful uh, for you, for your being a part of our, our church community. And I'm excited to get to know you. So AGA's going to um, be spending Wednesdays, um, uh, the full eight-hour day, or I think, am I right? Yep, full eight-hour day at 
on site at the church on Wednesdays uh, when he gets started. He's starting this Wednesday coming up. And so you can encounter him, you can call, he'll be there to take your phone messages. And then he's gonna tell us the schedule uh, for the rest of the week that he'll do from a distance. And so COVID gives us some, some advantages to be able to do some distance working. So he'll do that as well. And so we wanna welcome you. I'm gonna ask um, one of our council members, Andrew Richardson, if he would pray for you um, as you begin your journey with us and uh, that we all mosaic would pray together. Awesome. Thanks, Pastor Angel. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited for, for AJ, and I hope all of you get the opportunity to meet him, uh, obviously in person when that's doable, and, and virtually uh, more and more over the next uh, weeks and months. So I'm going to pray for, for AJ. Also, I'm going to um, say some prayers for Raheem this morning, who I know is not on, but I want to make sure that um, we pray for Raheem as well, who's our, our youth leader. Um, before I do that, I'm also going to say a couple of prayers for Pastor Angel, um, and you'll, you'll hear about those. So please join with me. Heavenly Father, just um, thank you for, uh, for today, for that amazing sermon from Pastor Angel, for um, her leadership, her ability to um, take a story that if, if you grew up in the church or if you've been with the church, um, you know, from Cain and Abel, but in a, in a completely different way than I've ever heard and experienced. And, um, it touched me deeply. So, um, I appreciate, appreciate her praying for her today, Lord Jesus, uh, for her brother, um, who's in the hospital right now, Lord, that you would just be with him and touch his body, touch his soul, um, same with Pastor Angel's mom, who's been struggling with some things and not sleeping and, and just come to her, give her peace, Lord. Come to Pastor Angel, give her peace. Give her the understanding that you are alongside of her every step of the way and that no decision that she has to make, no choice that she has coming down her, her way um, has to be done alone, Lord, that you are there and that we are here for her as well. Um, just pray for healing in her family, Lord. Pray that um, Pastor Angel would receive healing as well in whatever ways that she that she needs that, Lord Jesus. I pray for Rahim as well, Lord Jesus. Um, his time with our youth, what he's already shared from his background and his experiences, his passion for the Lord and for these kids, Lord Jesus, I just ask that you would um, touch his life that you would speak through him to the children that encounter him, Lord, that he would um, find growth in his own life and would find energy in these young people, Lord, that it would not be a drain, that it would be something that allows him to go back to his day to day and that he is invigorated um, with, with what he needs in his life and provided by you. Finally, I want to pray for AJ, Lord. Um, as you said, kind of, you know, didn't grow up in the church late to, to knowing you and learning all there is to know, Lord, and has committed now his time to not only being in seminary, right, but being here amongst our, our community. Um, I just ask that you would bless every single corner of his being, Lord, that you would bless his heart, that you would bless his soul, that you would bless his interactions with our church community, the interactions that he will have with our local community, Lord, that just as 
Jessica and I have experienced your love through him that others would experience the same thing um, and that, that they would be touched in the ways that, uh, that just Jessica and I have and being able to, to work with him just briefly. Um, we thank you that Pastor Angel and Rahim and AJ are here, um, that they are here to, along with other leaders in our church, uh, continue moving us through these COVID times and into times of even more fruitful ways here on earth, Lord, and sharing your kingdom and, and uh, just spreading the word to, to as many people as we can within our community and within our lives. Thank you for today again, Lord Jesus. Uh, we know that tomorrow is not promised. Uh, we love you. Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Andrew. All right. Um, lastly, one announcement. Um, so we have now finished putting together what we're calling a recording kit uh, for worship and other recordings we need to do for the church. Um, so we're going to be passing it around to different members of our church who can do uh, worship and record worship for us, who can do um, solos and things. Like I said, Emily, I'm coming for you. And, uh, and just some other aspects of our, our service. So we're really excited about that. So I don't want to to surprise you if we call you and are trying to get you a date so that we can get this kit to you so you can do some songs. Our desire is to bank a bunch of uh, worship songs and then we can pull from the songs we, we need for our services. Um, so we're excited about that. And um, we're coming to you to do some things for our, um, our uh, Mosaic Homecoming weekend, okay? Now, for those who haven't had a homecoming, you know like when you're in high school, if you had a football team, there was always this, this time of year where you invited everybody to come back to the school and celebrate, you know, what's happening at your school and the history and all that. We want to celebrate what God is doing and has done in Mosaic and bring people back just to thank them, to give them an update that we're still here because to, to show them that the seeds they planted are continuing to grow. And so we want to invite people uh, to come back and spend time with us. You'll see those things, invitations going out. Please share them with your friends on Facebook and, and different things, um, uh, Instagram, whatever, however, word of mouth, and uh, encourage people to come back and just check in. I know you all would love to, to see them on the screen. Invite them to the, um, uh, the scavenger hunt on, that's going to take place on Saturday and end at Clark Park so we can just see each other and say hi, socially distance, but be outside and, and just, and just you know, see each other. We need to do that. So, um, so that's coming for you all. So um, let's continue uh, and close out with our last two songs of worship, We Shall Overcome and Falling in Love with Jesus. And then we'll be back for our benediction. We shall overcome. We shall overcome. We shall overcome so I 
belongs to you. Oh God, oh God, oh God. Said, oh God, oh God, oh God. We said, Lord, Lord, belongs to you. Yeah, Lord, Lord, belongs to you. Oh God. We said, oh God. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Oh, falling in love with Jesus is the best thing we've ever, we've ever done. Oh, in his arms we feel protected. Oh, in his arms never disconnected. Oh, in his arms we feel protected. There's no place we ran, we rather be. Oh, and we can tell the world that falling in love with my Jesus, oh, 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 falling in love with Jesus, hey, hey, falling in love with Jesus, he's the best thing we've had ever done. Oh, in his arms we shall be protected. In his arms we'll never be disconnected. Oh, in his arms we will be protected. There's no place we Sing in your living room, falling in love with Jesus. Oh, falling in love with Jesus. Every day we're falling in love with my Jesus. Is the best thing we've ever done. No matter how much pain, it's the best thing we've ever done. No matter how much suffering, it's the best thing we've ever done. No matter what it looks like, oh, it's the best thing we've ever We've ever done no matter what they say, you're the best thing we've ever, we've ever done. No matter if the sun doesn't shine, you're the best thing we've ever done. For your sun is on the inside, you're the best thing we've ever done. Oh, you're the best thing we've ever done. We love you, Lord. You're the best thing we've ever, we've ever, we've ever done.
Amen. In closing, I'd like to uh, to read from uh, the book of Jude, um, the 20th verse, starting at the 20th verse. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fires and save them. Other, uh, to others show mercy mixed with respect and honor and fear. And now the doxology, uh, the 21st, 24th verse. To him who is able to keep us from falling or to keep us from separating, to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Thank you, Lord, for being with us and allowing us to have time with each other. We thank you and ask you to bless. Um, bless those who can give, Father. Bless those who are unable to give that your ministry would go forward. I'm sorry, we haven't prayed for offerings, so I wanna do that. That your ministry should go forward, that people um, will come to know you, that people who need help, Father, their needs can be met. We want to respect our community by demonstrating our love and our support. Um, help us do that, um, just as we continue to keep the lights on and paying salaries, but, we, but more so, Father, so we can give generously. Um, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Be blessed, everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday. Um, uh, and I hope that we run into each other, see each other soon. But God bless. Know that we're here for you if you have a need. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.